okay, it happened. The Bank of Canada made that big in increase in the interest rates. Now, you've had some time to settle. It's been a few days since it actually occurred, but you'd still like to dig deep into what this actually means, who it impacts, and what your options are. So the partners and I took the time to actually review and explain and educate specifically what happened with the Bank of Canada right after it occurred. You're going to hear a breakdown of what you can expect, what your options are, and what to think about really this big old change. Again, if you guys are enjoying these episodes, which I'm sure you are because you're watching right now, make sure to hit the subscribe button, both on your podcast or if you're watching on YouTube. And of course, send us the feedback on our Instagram at Thrive Mortgage Co. or at the YBR Remo Show and leave us that rating or review on iTunes or Spotify. I got really excited there, but really <laughs> means a lot to us. So again, on behalf of Chewy and I and the big old Bank of Canada change, enjoy the episode. We'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Old news is new again, but this time it came with a little bit of a surprise. Um, in fact, I would say uh, quite a bit of a surprise for a lot of people. Uh, maybe not a lot for us, but historically speaking, it's still a pretty notable occurrence when the Bank of Canada decides to make a rate change as significant as a 1% increase to the overnight lending rate, which is what they did on July 13th, 2022. So yeah, I know I'm dating this episode, but I mean, certainly something worth talking about and, and noteworthy. Um, realistically here, guys, the, the conversation for the better part of the past what, two months now since the US Fed increased rates by three quarters was that Canada is going to follow suit and they're going to increase interest rates by 0.75%. That didn't happen yesterday. It didn't happen. Now, let's do a round table here. Were you surprised? Did it shock you? What were your initial thoughts? Yeah, I yeah. thought it was fake news at the beginning, to be honest with you, <laughs> but it was very real. Um, uh, not ideal by any means, but I guess my hope is that they're they're taking a very aggressive approach, hoping that the latter is more calm. Um, I would personally rather deal with a one percent rate hike right now and just financially uh, get a handle on it rather than have you know twenty five basis points after twenty five basis points that goes on for two years. Uh, obviously, inflation's out of control and they're expecting it to stay around eight percent for a few months, and I think that. Again, very aggressive approach, but I'm hoping that it, it achieves the goal that they're trying to achieve sooner than later. Yeah, I was definitely surprised. Um, you know, most experts were predicting a 0.75% increase. Some experts were, were actually suggesting that it wouldn't even be that high. And, and there was the odd one that was ex expecting no increase just because the fear that this big of an increase or, or an, in, an increase at all could put our economy into an immediate recession. And there's still... You know, there's still lots of reports of, of that could potentially be the case. And, you know, some are su suggesting this could be a, you know, more moderate recession almost immediately. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out and what their, what their, you know, strategy would be to that. But, you know, in most cases, like uh, going back to the pandemic, whenever there's a, an, an emergency issue, when it comes to our recession, the first tool is to actually drop rates. So if they're going up aggressively, it does give them room to potentially correct an issue down the road by being able to reduce rates. So, you know, I, I think you can look at this both ways. Um, you know, at least we're 
you know, if we can, if we can weather this storm and, and get through these increases, we should be in a good, good position to be able to kind of correct something down the road if we have to start dropping again. Specifically what you had mentioned there, Derek, I almost, that was, I, I want to say I was shocked or surprised or fake news, but be really honest with you, I was just, here we go again. Uh, a little bit more of an increase. And I think just having gone through this experience now, is, is this our third or fourth straight um, uh, a Bank of Canada announcement where rates are increasing? I think it's the fourth one now, if I can recall. I could be giving, I, I'm lost all over the place here. I don't know, third, fourth. And and it just it, we're almost numb to it at this point. We we expected it. It's going to happen here. Um, we'll get into the why that it's going on in a quick second here, and what's actually happening. Uh, you know, externally speaking. But Derek, I'm in the same mindset as you, is which is uh, let's hope that this is the one last big one. And if there's any adjustments or changes after this, they're more minor. And and that's the mindset that the government's in right now. Uh, really interesting. If you listen to some of the like Benjamin Tal, who's the lead economist for CIBC. His feedback is sitting there. He's basically got his arms crossed and saying, like, I told you so. I told you so. You should have started doing this and stopped giving up so much money, you know, last year, the start of last year, instead of holding on for a long time. So, I mean, we can, we can dig deep into that. But anyways, it is a 1% change. And we'll just talk briefly on specifically who this impacts um, from a lending perspective and what that looks like before we get into why that actually occurred. I mean, the first thing right off the bat is this is the first rate change that's going to have a notable impact from a variable rate perspective on people's qualifications. And I'll preface that by specifically saying that if people were qualified for a rate hold or qualified for a mortgage on a fixed rate mortgage, like a two, three, four, five year fixed rate, there's no impact to you. If you got a rate hold, you get a five year fix, four year fix, three year fix, there's no change. You're already paying, uh, your stress test is already based on probably a rate of like four and a half percent. So your stress test is already six and a half. There's no change to you. However, a lot of folks in the last while have been trying to qualify for their maximum based on the variable rate at the time, which likely would have been a stress test of 5.25 to 5.5. Basically, long story short, if someone was qualified to their max possible buying power, um, yes, or well, before July 13th, they now qualify for somewhere between 10 to 12% on average less. Could be a little different depending on those you know, rentals um, or, or basement suite income or something of that nature. But that's notable. Guys, a million bucks. I, I had a conversation with a guy yesterday specifically, and we were looking at 1.25. Um, and now he's, it wasn't quite the 10% in his situation, just based on where it was, but it was 75 grand less. It was notable, put him in a different price category, right? So um, I don't know, any thoughts on that initially? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things that come to mind for me is number one, we are in a market where property values are declining. So as much as qualification has declined, we're also seeing real estate decline. And I think that we're probably in a declining market for the next little while, especially after a big rate hike like this. So just as a buyer right now, like there's a ton of opportunity. And I think that you shouldn't get, um, you know, I think it's okay to be scared and, and, and what have you. But I think it's a really good time to be watching the market because as much as your qualification might have dropped, you might still be able to get a very similar home to what you're looking for. And believe me, like we've seen every single situation, there are other options to boost qualification, right? Like if you have 15 or 10% down, try to borrow money to get to 20%. That's going to boost your qualification up. Add a cosigner, right? Like buy with a friend, buy with family. There's so many different ways that you can try to bring qualification up if this rate change and, and impact on your qualification is actually hindering what you can do and you're like not going to buy, I would suggest you have a conversation with a broker to see what other options there are first. Yeah, I mean, good point. I mean, even just in our market, if if you're still living in like a condo type property, there, there's an opportunity to sell at a peak still. 
you can still get some really good value for that property. And we've seen the single family homes, especially in our market, come down significantly. So the gap to to upsize is has never been like there's never been a greater opportunity since you know we can re- remember at, at this point. Um, so it, it's a great way to slide into that upgraded property that maybe has the rental income that helps you know keep the qualification up just from the fact that again the purchase price is less on the property you're upgrading and you still have rental income opportunities from a you know a basement suite. Yeah, so specifically to what I'm hearing from both you Derek and and Dean um strategy now if you are someone who wants to be involved in the real estate market, you know, strategy is always pretty important here, you know, knowing the little kind of tips and loopholes but knowing the strategy as it relates to your specific circumstance or your client's circumstance is going to be absolutely paramount. Uh, case in point, you know, as Dean just mentioned, uh, a condo values may still be on the higher end of the range. Detached houses in certain markets have come down, some others haven't. Um, but where are the trends occurring in which cities? Um, I, you know, if I have a client right now that's looking to, you know, sell off a detached home just to just to just to sell it and, and move somewhere else, we might say, hey, you know what, like, do you need to right now? Maybe it's not the best time. I'm not going to tell them to do it. But I might suggest like, if you're downsizing, maybe not the best time to do that, depending on what you're trying to do with that cash. If you can hold it for another three to five years, you might do okay, keep it, rent it, whatever that sort of situation. Again, case by case. And some other interesting, you know, considerations there. And I don't know if you guys have seen this already, but I've also noticed that, you know, specifically speaking, outside of the major cities, so outside of Calgary or outside of Edmonton, outside of Vancouver, like Chilliwack, the suburbs and those sort of areas, they were hit the hardest here last time. And they're probably going to get hit again in the short term. Um, but what's been really interesting is that certain cities like, uh, you know, Kelowna and Kamloops haven't been hit as hard yet, although their ricochet is coming soon. So it almost is like, hey, look at the market you're looking at or moving into and look at the market you're in because they're completely different, right? If you're selling in Vancouver and buying in Calgary, what's going on there and make sure to have some conversations. Anyhow, point is strategy is important. Now that you qualify for less, I would say you're probably going to be looking at a 30 day to 60 day delayed timeline before we see any kind of major impact in the marketplace. And there is a point guys, where people will just say, F it, I'm taking my home off the market. And that, in my opinion, could be where this next little, um, I guess, uh, battle comes in, which is I'm no longer selling. And now you've got a whack load of buyers who've been waiting saying, okay, now let's go. But we just don't know if that's going to be two months from now or six months from now, right? Yeah. And just from a cost perspective, I mean, we've talked about rates and we talk about properties. Um, you know, if you're paying a 5% rate for two or three years, you'd obviously have to run the numbers based on mortgage amount, but let's say it costs you an extra $30,000 over three years. But if you're getting a property at a $250,000 discount, like you just got to look at these numbers and say, okay, as long as that mortgage payment's affordable, no matter if it's a 10% interest rate, like whatever the, it's all about cost, right? As long as you can budget and you can afford those payments and you're comfortable to get through this rough patch, assuming that there's light at the end of the tunnel, property values will come back and there's way more money to be made on the property value increase than there will be on trying to save money on an interest rate. Yeah, well said. So that, that actually brings up a good point and it's something that we should talk about specifically there, uh, Derek, which is when people are considering their mortgages right now, um, the biggest issue that I'm seeing is people are not considering, like you mentioned, the total cost, including 
the house, including home ownership and including these considerations. Case in points, there's a lot of people that are in variable rates right now that, you know, a lot of people are just fine and they're not too stressed out about it. But there's a whole other subset of people that are have a lot of anxiety because they just don't know what the impact is to their market and so forth. Now, we'll touch on the different types of variable rates again. And we've done this in previous episodes. We'll do a quick once over. But the you know, point is, with a lot of these folks in these variable uh, rate mortgages, they're probably still in a fantastic position as long as they're hanging on to the property and they're able to continue to make the payments, there's really nothing um, negative that's gonna happen other than the fact that they're paying a little bit more to interest. They're still protected against prepayment penalties in case they decide to upsell or refinance or something happens in the midterm. And so um, basically what I'm trying to say here is whatever product or solution that you're looking at here in the short term should be considered not just the rate, but also the payment and what you mentioned, which is the house cost itself, because the reality is rates have gone up 3% since the start of the year, 2.5% to start a year on fixed rate uh, side. Variable rates have gone up you know, 2 plus percent as well. Um, and the interesting thing is um, a house price that was 10% less than it was there, your actual mortgage payment is the same now. So that's another factor. Should I wait until the house prices drop another 10% but rates rise even more and it's going to impact my costs? You have to look at your own situation. I kind of live and die by that mantra we've talked about many times, which is to marry the house and date the rate. If you can afford the house that the value is good and you can afford the payment, you can always refinance the rate later, right? And rates will eventually come back down. Yeah, it's a good point too, just understanding why maybe you're in a variable. Like what was the reason why you took that product? And flexibility could be the main point. And, and you don't want to forget that, you know, make a knee jerk reaction, lock in and forget that. Hey, oh, shoot, I just lost, you know, the main reason why I took this product was flexibility to be able to, like you mentioned, refinance or ultimately sell and just make a different, you know, make a change like upgrading and, and going into a market now where there could be more opportunity. We're already seeing more opportunity and, and, and most experts, including ourselves, would would expect more opportunity to come. So to maintain a flexible product and maybe pay something of a bit of a higher payment than you're, you're comfortable with, but you can still manage could be very much worth it over the next 12 months as you know, you wait for additional opportunities to, to present themselves. Yeah. Well said, well said. Well, let's, let's, uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about again, what people's options are right now. We'll cover the, the ground. We've done these in previous episodes, but things could change a little bit here in our conversation as rates change, our recommendations can slightly change as well. Um, so what are the options that people have right now if they're concerned about their current mortgage? I think more specifically, obviously, we're talking about folks who are in a variable rate loan right now. As a reminder, there's two flavors, uh, VRM, which is where the payments are static, and ARM, which is where the payments float. Unfortunately, lenders are not very clear in disclosing these types of guidelines. We usually cover this in our planning consultations, but a lot of people get confused. So it's a good reminder. You know, If you have a lender like Scotiabank, your payments are going to probably go up or down if you decide to five-year variable. If you have a lender like TD or CIBC or something like that, usually your your payments are static and so you don't really see a change or an adjustment to your actual payments but you know Derek and I were chatting or Derek brought this up this morning um, there's a lot of merits to both sides and actually Dean you brought up a good point so Derek why don't you just touch on that recommendation that you gave to well, you know one of your clients a suggestion that you had regarding the floating payment when they were really concerned about it there's always two ways to look at this and I think when costs start to go up it's just panic right and I think that this is where like I know we come in handy because we take a lot of time to work with our clients and talk through budgeting and their situation. Um, and I'd say nine times out of 10, after our conversation with a client, you know, in an adjustable floating payment, they feel better. They understand why they're in that product. They understand that that product is actually better from a cost effective standpoint because you're continuing to pay your mortgage down at the pace that you should. But it's all about affordability. Right. And there's certain products that and there's certain situations like if someone Dean brought this up, but if someone's 
pre-approved and they have a rent rental property, if their payment's increasing, they're going to qualify for less on the house that they're shopping for. So like that's a really good situation where you would want to be in a static payment. Um, an adjustable payment, again, like if it's affordable, that's probably the right product to be in if you're not shopping for another home because you're continuing to pay your mortgage down at the pace that you should. Now, again, some people don't care about paying their mortgage down, right? They're like, well, whatever, I'm going to sell in three years anyways. I know I'm not keeping this house forever and I don't care about the extra principal pay down. I'm just in it for equity or appreciation, right? So everyone's situation is different, um, but I think it just all comes down to budgeting. I mean, we have 10 of these phone calls a day right now and like we go through everything. Okay, you're worried about payments. What does your what does your entire budget look like? Like, what are you actually spending your money on? Because if your mortgage payment goes up by a thousand bucks, maybe we can consolidate your fifteen hundred dollar truck loan and your credit cards and all this other stuff to help you get through this, right? Like, there are tools to kind of maneuver this, and you know, we've moved some clients over from fluctuating payment mortgages like Scotia, First National, what have you. We've moved them into lenders like TD with a static payment. People are doing that because they just don't want to deal with this, right? And I think there's a, you know, the media plays a big part in this because the media doesn't talk about the numbers. They don't know everyone's specific situation. They just make it seem like this is going to continue to go and go and go. And people are going to go bankrupt and lose their houses and have to walk away. And people hear that and they're like, shit, like I got to deal with this, right? Yeah. But you got to look at your own situation. And a lot of people I talk to them, like, you know, could you weather a payment if it goes up by a thousand bucks a month? And again, some people can't, but a lot of people can't, right? It's a temporary problem for the most part. I have a, a very low, or I had a very low variable rate when I got my mortgage uh, at 1.28%. And and at that time, that's where my static payment was set. So so arguably, you could say I'm almost probably paying no money towards principal at this current moment. So, you know, the knee jerk reaction would be to just increase my payment. And, and our advice is if you can afford it, certainly get more money going towards the principal. Like that is certainly going to be our advice if you can afford it, but you don't need to just fix the payment because it, in my situation, I know I'm going to be buying a rental property in the near future, definitely in the next 12 months, knowing the opportunities that are coming. I absolutely am going to make it my priority to buy a rental property in the next 12 months. So I'm not going to change my payment, but I, I will certainly be putting some lump sum payments towards my principal to to make sure I'm staying on track with the principal paid on that I want to do. But I will continue to keep my payment uh, static at the low payment uh, that it currently is until you know we hit the trigger rate, which I know we're going to talk about and, and go into a deeper session on in a future episode. But that's that's my strategy. And I think it's something that everyone should consider. Yeah, I mean, that's super key. So if you are someone who's, I mean, we talked about this yesterday, um, we, actually with a number of my clients, I should say, and we brought it up in, in the YouTube video published as well, which is like, if you're an investor right now, your strategy is very um, uh, aligned in some ways with our general advice with our clients, but also you're looking at it from what Dean just mentioned specifically, like if you increase your mortgage payment by $250, that could mean you qualify for $75,000 less on your rental property, which could make the difference of being able to qualify for that, right? Like that's huge. A massive consideration and then just generally speaking like if this is on an investment property i think there's pros and cons with both, both both variable rates the arm product where it floats the advantage to you is there's not really as much of a great impact on you at the end of the day like you're still paying off that principal but the flip side is if you have the static payment you're paying more interest well you know it's interest so interest is a tax deduction it's a write-off for you right so at the end of the day it's not having as dramatic of an impact to you there but the big thing what i think what D dean you mentioned there is like just taking uh, uh context into what you're going to do in the next 12 months and you know uh, looking forward which we'll just talk for briefly on the the economic activity and what's happening and why this is happening here but 
you know, circling back to that, this is why we always suggest to people that we don't do things dramatically, or sorry, in, 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 in a hurry or in a rush. Like when this happened, like, you know, we get like 50 emails and 50 phone calls and hundred texts and what all these different things. But we always remind people like, let's give it a day or two. We're going to give you some general feedback right away, but let's give it a few days to like, see what our options are. Right. Because you got to really think about your personal situation, everything surrounding that. Derek, you mentioned budget. I mean, I'll tell you right now, like in the last few months, I'm personally specifically looking at my budget in a lot more, um, a lot closely or a lot more closely than I have in the last six months. And it's not like I'm worried about losing my house or anything of that nature, nature, but also being conscious of it. So um, I'll throw this out there to our audience. Like if you're one of our clients, we do have a budgeting uh, spreadsheet as well. Uh, or, or if you want to work with us, we can give you a budgeting spreadsheet to help you kind of figure out where you're at right now from a cost perspective and help you out there. Um, hey, guys, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, specifically like economically speaking, you know, we just received a great email article from Sherry Cooper. and She laid it out really clearly, like, why is this actually even happening and what's happening for a lot of our listeners? They wonder, what what is going on? Why is this happening? Why did they raise rates 1%? Why, are, why is the government doing this? Uh, Derek, you want to start on that? Yeah, I mean, it all is related to inflation. So like inflation, I, I don't know if we've, we don't have the June stats yet, but the May report was 7.7% inflation rate. And I believe they're anticipating it to be in the 8% range for June and going forward. And that's just a, a level of inflation that isn't sustainable. If it continues to go like that, like there's massive, massive issues coming down the pipe. And a lot of this is because of what happened through COVID. Like there was money being printed and put out into our economy just constantly, constantly. And, you know, you could have bought anything in the last two years and it went up in value. Like when do you hear about vehicles going up in value, right? Like people bought vehicles four years ago and they could sell them for more. It just didn't make sense, right? And it's because there was so much money out there. You know, I talk about this all the time, but real estate, real estate directly, values went up massively like where we live we're talking like five hundred thousand dollars in two years for a detached home and you could leverage that at one and a half percent so everybody that we talked to they were leveraging to renovate and then the renovation kept all the contractors busy and the contractors were buying supplies and just it's everything there's supply supply chain shortages um there's a, a war in ukraine of course that's happening so there's a lot of different factors that are really impacting and driving inflation up and the goal is to slow inflation and, and rising rates. We're already seeing in real estate, property values are going down. People don't have this extra money sitting around in their houses. You know, I'm just talking real estate wise. People don't have all this extra equity and they can't, they can't borrow it at 1% anymore. So a lot of people are not doing these things that they have been doing for the last couple of years, putting money out into the markets, right? There's also uh, wage inflation. So like wages are increasing. People are demanding more money because of cost of living and other factors. So that's kind of the concept of, of why this is all happening. And again, I think that they're making some pretty dramatic rate hikes because we are dealing with dramatic inflation and they're really just trying to curve it. So we'll have to see what happens. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to understand too that like raising interest rates isn't, isn't the, like the, I don't know how to say this. It's not going to, it's not going to impact it as positively as we may hope. So, you know, we're going through this process rates are going up and we're hoping that inflation is just going to be fixed it's not you know there are other things that are going on in the world such as you know the war in ukraine and and all the and the fuel costs and, and what is that doing just driving up the cost of you know the supply chain and then who who has to eat those costs well the businesses are paying 
way more just to get their inventory in their stores, you know, regardless of what it is, whether it's, you know, the food that you put on your table or, you know, the, the, the school supplies that you're going to be buying for your kids going back to school soon. These, these costs are have to be passed on to someone. And so if the businesses are paying more for these items, paying more for labor due to the, you know, what, what's going on there, well, who's going to pay for it? We are. You know, the price of the price of the school binder that you need to buy for your kid going back to school, it's going to be more expensive this year. There's no doubt. Every single thing you buy is more expensive now. I don't know the catch of all of it, really. And the most interesting thing in, in reading lately is and I, I know you guys look at this kind of stuff, but just in the last couple of weeks specifically, um, which is where I, we start to see that everything is delayed. And so the government's making poor decisions, in my opinion, that are everything has been delayed. They should have raised rates earlier and they should have done it in more, more dramatic fashion much earlier in the process. Besides now, uh, the price of gas, uh, although not cheap, definitely not cheap, has not come down at the start of the year. But the price of gas has come down almost 40 cents since a month ago. We were at 235 or 240 um, a month ago. We're at 195 right now, which is not cheap money and still crazy expensive. But uh, that's actually come back down. Um, in addition to that, they're saying that, um, to your point, Dean, that uh, with the war in, in Russia and Ukraine, they're starting to see that kind of ease up a little bit. And, and some of the cost of goods over there are starting to ease up. But it has not impacted us yet. And so we could be in for a little bit of a nasty surprise here because the flip side to that, and, and Derek had brought this up earlier before we started recording the show, is that like um, people are demanding more money and more wage increases, but the cost of goods are going down and then everything else is going up. And then, you know, you've got the BC government and in the US saying we're going to give up free checks to the poor. Like this is a really, really ugly uh, mess right now. And obviously giving more money is not the answer. Uh, we don't want to get too deep into here. Perhaps we can have an economic guest on uh, in the future to talk a little bit about what the impact of printing money is on the economy and why so much money being around is a terrible thing. But man, our, our government is so confused and they're not on the same page. You got one government saying, hey, what we're going to do here is we're going to go ahead and we're going to give you a whole whack load of cash. And then the other hand, they're going to say, we're going to make cash really expensive. And then on the other side, we've got, you know, supply and demand going up and down and up and down. Like it is messed up. So long story short, um, you, all the government in Canada, the only tool they have, the only tool they have really they're disposable is to raise rates. And so we're now at 2.5% on the overnight rate, which is between the two and 3% target that they set at the start of the year. At the start of the year, it was like, it was two and a half percent. We're there already. And now the re revised uh, numbers are three and a half percent. So what that says to me is that don't be surprised if the numbers, if the rates go up another full 1%, it might not happen right away. We might let things pause, we might see a quarter increase in the future. It might take another six months to do so. But unfortunately with this, with, you know, again, the, the demand for more wages, the, the delayed cost expenses, like you mentioned, Dean, like, hey, at the end of the day, they've already shipped the, the school binders, they've already shipped the clothes, it's already here, people have already paid for it, that stuff's going to go up in price, it's going to come to a head eventually, probably in six to 12 months. And, you know, we watched, a. I know I'm going to rant here, but we watched a super good video from Darren Hardy. And if anybody's interested, let us know, we'll link it out. And he's, he's basically said, like, the US already in a recession, they're already there. Like they're in a recession, they just don't know it yet. So the question is, when does that hit Canada? And I do want to preface by one last point on that, that doesn't mean that we're in a housing crisis, or a housing recession. We're basically just in a situation where the economy is retracting and people are eventually having to spend less money and people are getting laid off. Everybody's going to be in that situation. So as an employee, if you're an employee right now, if you're self-employed, my biggest piece of advice right now is to bring more value than ever to the table. Like you can ask for more money all you want, but you got to bring more value to the table because eventually it's going to come to a head. Anyways, rant over. I'll stop there. We typically do follow the US market in a lot of 
lot of areas, not always, um, you know, verbatim, but certainly follow a, a similar path. And to your point, you're usually about six months behind that when it comes to financial side of things. And, and we've seen that, like we pretty much followed them verbatim this year when it comes to interest rate hikes and, and what's going on in the real estate market from an interest rate perspective. And, and they did the, they did the massive, uh, you know, rate hike, overnight lending rate hike. The feds down there did it. Uh, I think it was 75 basis points. So 0.75% last month. And they saw pretty much an immediate impact on the fixed rate market. Almost within two to three weeks, they started to come back down, which is interesting and, and um, to say the least. And, and if you look at our market in the last two weeks, we haven't really seen much of an increase on our current fixed rate market. Like for the last three months, the fixed rates have been going up literally every day. Every single day, we're getting emails from our lenders. Rates are going up, rates are going up, rates are going up, like no joke, every day. And that hasn't been happening in the last two weeks. And now this massive increase to the overnight lending rate happens. Do we see the gap shrink even more? Like as of yesterday, the gap from variable to fixed just shrunk by 1%. And we could see even more of a shrinking of that gap with fixed rates just coming back down slightly. And I'm not talking major drops. I'm, you know, we're talking maybe 0 0.2, 0.3%. But I do believe we probably fall somewhere in that low to mid 4% range as kind of a normal range for the next six to 12 months as we just kind of normalize. So well, something to think about when, from a perspective of locking in, right? Man, and that is a good way. I think that's a good way to cap the show. You, you ran it off really clearly. So folks, lots to chew on there. We're going to start getting, I think we're doing a couple more educational episodes on like, how do you handle this as a client? How do you handle this as an investor? What the heck is a trigger rate? And we got some really cool guests coming up on the show here in the next few weeks and months. So if you're not already doing this, guys, subscribe to the show and send us out a message, a shout out. Let us know that's the juice that gets us going. We've had a lot of awesome feedback from agents and listeners letting us know that this has been valuable but we'd love to hear more um leave us a review so hey guys thanks for checking it out if you want to work with us or you want to find out more about working with uh, thrive check us out on instagram or our website thrivemortgage.ca and have an amazing rest of your day talk soon